Hey, Fifth Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What is up, everyone? And welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And folks... I apologize in advance for any voice breaks and or just overall stuffiness that you hear in my voice because you'll, you'll recognize that this is our first episode of the week and it's because I have been bitten by whatever illness is going around that's not COVID or the flu. I am just like down bad this week, which is the week that I'm moving. So this is also the last episode that I'm recording here. Oh, <laughs> Memories. You might be wondering, have I secured Wi-Fi for my new apartment yet? No, <laughs> have not. I have not done that yet. So uh, something to work on for me personally. Yes, that is that is something that you should work on. That's what for I've sure. been told. That is what I've been told. I hear that we do something that requires me having internet, and so I should probably get it at some point. Unless but... you're going to drive to a McDonald's and steal their Wi-Fi in the parking lot for when we record on monday i mean to be fair i don't it wouldn't be the first time that we recorded no the one time that we had taco bell wasn't in the taco bell drive-thru it was it, or like at the restaurant it was at otterbein um yeah. so that's not as fun i was thinking that maybe we had already done that at one point in our career but that is not true we have not done that no we've we've recorded in parking lots before like in parking garages but never in a physical drive through of a restaurant or said said restaurant's parking lot. I think maybe we should consider it one day. Okay. That can That's be fun. The listeners can pick which drive through we go through. Wait a minute. That's kind of fun. It is kind of fun. I don't hate that. I, I have hated a lot of a lot of the things that I have come up with on this show sometimes, but that is I thought you were just about to say that you've hated a lot of the things that I've come up with for the show. <laughs> oh my god, we both know I'd never tell you if that were true. <laughs> Please it's don't. not true, but like I think everybody on the show and everybody who listens to the show knows that if I actually ever hated anything, I would absolutely keep it to myself. <laughs> for the safety and well-being of my um of pretty much everything. everybody involved. Yeah, with everybody yeah. involved, I would keep that to myself, but Laura, we have something in common this week. We do? Yeah, we're both living in a snowmageddon. Uh, oh, yes, that is true. Yeah, it is. You know, oddly enough, it's weird whenever... It, it just does kind of surprise me whenever Columbus gets more snow than Grand Rapids does. Yesterday, y'all got more snow. We got a decent amount today, though. It was not fun. I don't know what it was like down there in Columbus. You're, we're recording on Thursday, so, um, so that's your reference if you're listening to this after Thursday, but... <laughs> Well, we got snow, and obviously, like, things were closed and whatever, and all my whole university, like, classes were canceled, but we worked remotely, stuff like that. Oh, my God, they canceled class? Mm -hmm. Damn, it's crazy. I really moved to Michigan for one year, and I've turned into one of those assholes. It's like, they never canceled school here, and this, that, and the other. <laughs> like, I have turned into that guy who is like, man, down south, y'all don't know what the hell you're doing with the snow. Which, um, is, which is unequivocally true, by the way, because that, snow, that blizzard that happened at Christmas when, like, multiple counties were on a level three snow emergency in central Ohio mm -mm. for days, um, 
Michigan. I had folks that I know back in here, back here in Michigan. They got almost two feet of snow, and they're like, "Yeah, I went to the grocery store today." And I'm like, "What the fuck do you mean?" Like, <laughs> I couldn't even get out today? of Newark. <laughs> yeah, I literally would have been sighted if I would have driven a car. <laughs> they don't have snow emergencies here. Have we talked about this? How do they not? It doesn't exist. There is no like, hey, it's a level one. It's level two. It's level three. It's just like a, it's hey, there's here. snow. And, What's that? Hey, there's snow. That's yeah. all they say. Yeah, they're like, it, if you look outside and it's white, that there, there's snow on the ground. Well, I will say that moving you to Michigan was definitely a level three. Nah, not here. They were just like, it's a, it's a Friday. Come on through. Come on. Although I will say to your point though, Laura, if that would have been in Columbus, it would have been impassable. Like, correct. Because, I mean, Grand Rapids and this side of the state, they actually do a decent job clearing roads. But, yeah, that would have been impassable <laughs> in Columbus if we would have gotten that same amount of snow. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, all that happened yesterday, Wednesday. and But then it was all melted by this morning when I uh, went out to start my car because it also rained right after it did all the snowing. And thank God it didn't get super cold because that would have been a disaster. Um, but now it's snowing again. So I hate it here. I We need to invest in getting you somewhere south. Or just like general driving trauma therapy, I think might be helpful. It might. It might. Because uh, as long as you live in central Ohio, you're uh, going to have to drive in snow. <laughs> Which is stupid. Yeah, the stupidest. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. It'd be fine if there weren't other people. Yeah, bad news. <laughs> Some jackass flashes brights at me a bunch of times this morning and then had the audacity to go around me and flip me off at the same time. I was, going, I was going off an exit. Oh. Yeah, I mean, what can you do? What can you do, folks? Laura getting flipped off, driving, contributing to that PTSD that she has from moving me. And you would not be thrilled this week because it's snowing here when I'm moving this time, too. So I am being supportive, though. Yeah, you. Uh, uh, let's let's challenge the word support. Laura is uh, definitely on my ass about moving. Let's say that. Let's say. <laughs> As I should be. <laughs> Listen, we are, I will say, I am much farther in the game than I was when I moved from Athens to, to Michigan. So this is this is feeling good. Yes, as I told you last night, just feel motivated by my year ago COVID riddled, probably COVID riddled body, wheezing and hacking up a lung in your living room in Athens forcing you to pack everything up so that the when the truck came the next morning so yeah that is true that is true and to be fair we were both covid riddled if that were the case yes we were, we were something I, riddled i <laughs> i thought about it the other day when after we talked about you moving about what happened when we went to the the storage unit place where you had your first storage unit. Oh my and, God. And how I was so sick that you, you put a chair that you were giving away into like the giveaway area of the yeah. U-Haul place 
I sat there with a moving blanket over top of me. Yeah. I feel like a moving blanket and my coat. I feel like we yeah. draped my coat. Yes. And you weren't like wearing my coat. You were like, it was just like a blanket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was rough. You were in a bad way. And honestly, I don't feel very far from where I felt that time. I don't know what it is about me moving. I don't know what it is about the universe not really being a fan of, of that. But but yeah, so it's if you're, you're not moving to Ohio, that's why. Yeah, sure. That's that's what it is, right? Um, but what I'll say is that if you are somebody who does any sort of artwork for the jackets and you have like anything for sale, let a girl know. And by a girl, I mean me. I'm a girl <laughs> in this situation. Um, let me know because I will have a much better space to podcast now, which I'm thoroughly excited about. And so I would love to hang some stuff up. I'd love to buy some stuff, be supportive of people and then be able to hang it up. So that'll be a good little place for me to hang out still, I think. So I'm, I'm excited for that to finally happen. Same sentiment for me in a month and a half when I hopefully move. If there's anybody who is really good and wants to do a subjectively speaking logo one, feel free. Feel free. We'll pay you for it. We promise. And we'll promote you. You know how we are. Yeah, like make our logo out of like paint chips or oh wow okay see like i was just thinking like a sketch but like go off sis. or like a sketch that's fine <laughs> um you said a mosaic piece i want a tile i want a sculpture I want our, a... Lis- our listeners are very talented They're very talented but you said vincent van go and figure it out for me thank you <laughs> um or like bottle caps. I don't really know how you would make that work but no, i think somebody could probably do it i for all the people who do that like pixel like pixel by pixel art of like people and they zoom out and all of a sudden it's for some reason it's just like a painting of somebody out of rubik's cubes like i feel like somebody could figure out how to do it with bottle caps but but we digress because oh go ahead we're not or a diamond painting (laughs) have you never come across those like real gem paintings those like here i am thinking that you're just looking for something to bring to a pawn shop (laughs) I mean, if you also want to just give me money, that would be great. Um, I know I'm pretty vague about it, but your girl is poor and it's not getting any better. So Period. if you wanted to just give me money, you could. I would feel terrible and probably give it back to you. But fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Folks, we will digress from our normal banter. We're usually ones to take up 10 minutes at the beginning of the show because we don't want to talk about Blue Jackets hockey. But um, oddly enough, this week, we've got some Blue Jackets hockey to talk about that isn't like super like bleak, which feels new and feels like something we haven't experienced in a really, 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 really long time. Yes. Am I dramatic? Kind of. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But, yeah, I mean, it's been – so if you've stayed up for these games, because that's the other piece of this, obviously the Jackets are on their Western Canada swing right now. And so uh, if you have been crazy enough to stay up for these games, you have been rewarded because these two games in Alberta went really well. Game at home against San Jose went really well. I mean, there's just a lot of things that we're going to talk about on this show that are good, Laura. Which is surprising and shocking to everyone. Yeah, I'm trying to think of all the different synonyms of shocking. 
that I can. Can you think of any other one? Bewildered. Bewildered. Um, aghast. Yeah, aghast is a good one. Thank you so much. I I created that word myself. Befuddled. Ah, oh, befuddled. Um, yes. Discombobulated. Ooh, that one is good. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, oh my God. Wow. I love that for us. So I am playing a little bit of Blue Jackets Masochism right now, and I'm looking to see. And I'm sure somebody has already done this, and it would make my life so much easier if I would have just known that and seen it. But this looks like it is the first Blue Jackets point streak of more than two games since they came back from Finland. They had four games of uh, uh, four four games with points. Uh, Philadelphia, New York, lost in overtime, beat Philadelphia again, and beat Montreal. And so that was a four-game streak. That is the longest of this season, I believe. Let me just make sure before I'm a liar. I mean, hell, it's not like they've really won more than fucking how many games? Like, so it can't be possible. But, but yeah, so Jackets have a chance to to tie the season high with a game in Vancouver on Friday. So, Laura, just generally speaking, I mean, that game against San Jose, it started off really, really bleak, and it was one of those situations where you kind of felt like it was going to be a long night and that things weren't going to go our way, but but things did, in fact, go our way. Yeah, I mean, it started out pretty much like any other uh, Blue Jackets game this season. Like, things just weren't, weren't looking great, and um, it's always pleasantly... <laughs> pleasantly surprising when they do find a way to like turn it around or at least be competitive and that is something that is that very true of these last three games they have been competitive they have pushed they haven't given up as easily things have not been pretty but like they've made them work and you know our top line has definitely started to be our top line again and like starting to produce so yeah, it was it was nice, especially after the game, the Thursday game against Anaheim, where it just was, you know, a super sad well, situation. And we're not really like super used to. I mean, don't get me wrong, there have been games where the Jackets have just gotten out played for sixty minutes, but at least here in the last few weeks, we're not really super used to the team getting down early and just looking really bleak in the first period. We usually wait until the second period for that to happen. Kind of what you're saying about this Anaheim game, right? Like that you're referencing, it's kind of the opposite feel of that where, you know, you start really slow and you find your game in the second period. Whereas with Anaheim, start the game really well, lose it in the second period and then ultimately lose the game. And so, yeah, this one felt felt different, and I think that that is, like, really important for this team as, I mean, they have to find different ways to win, right? Like, this is a group this is a group of guys who are going to predominantly be together for, for an extended period of time that's going to hopefully make up some of the most successful years in Blue Jackets history. They're not going to win every game the same way, but they're going to need to win a lot of games every year. And so finding different ways to win games is always a plus, and they did that against San, against San Jose on Saturday. And so, you know, just kind of going through who are, who are the, who are the guys that lit the lamp? It was Johnny Goudreau. It was Boone Jenner. It was Patrick Line. It was Gus Nyquist, Sean Corrales. I mean, these are the guys who have, have really kind of been the guys most of the year. And obviously in the last few weeks, we've talked a little bit more about our rookies, but these are, these are your veterans that you're really hoping are going to be, 
you know, making these plays in games like this for, for the foreseeable future. And, and they did exactly that, Laura. Yeah, and for, I'm just realizing, the first time in, I think, a while that one of our goals didn't come from one of our defensemen. Because as we've noticed in some of these harder games where we've been losing is even if we do score, it hasn't been from players like Johnny and Boone and Patrick and and Gus even. It's been coming from either our rookies or, you know, our defensemen, and particularly like our not high-scoring defensemen like Vladislav Gavrikov, um, Andrew Peak, Tim Burney, like those people getting their like one-off, two-off, like, you know, goals and us being just kind of perplexed at the fact of why this, like, you know, why our top people aren't being the one to score goals. And I think that really hit home um, for our top line and um, trickling down after that Anaheim game. I really think that they were just like, we can't keep doing this. (laughs) Like we just can't keep letting down everyone. And so it's really picked up and you definitely see that kick off in this San Jose game. Well, and oddly enough, it has been five games since a Blue Jacket defenseman has scored a goal, which feels shocking to me. The last Blue Jacket to score, or the last Blue Jacket defenseman to score a goal was Andrew Peak against the Rangers. And so, uh, granted, the one goal, and to your point, then I think the game before that was Vladislav Gavrikov had a goal. So, I mean, this team, you're right. I mean, it just feels like the guys who have been producing are guys you don't expect to produce. So, it doesn't surprise you when you see that the Jackets are in the win column after seeing who all. Uh, you know, got goals in that one. And, you know, for the Jackets, you know, in net, Jonas Corposalo stopped 23 of 25. Good performance from him. Um, is that right? Um, the NHL okay. app said he stopped 23 of 25, but I'm no mathematician. Well, was no, it wouldn't have been an empty net goal. Well, I think the NHL app might have just simply. Oh. The Jackets won that game five. Five three. Five three. What happened there? Anyway, the NHL app messed that one up. <laughs> so I'm going to assume that he had 23 or 26. <laughs> so. Or 22 of 25. Yeah. Yeah, either way. Uh, I was like, that math is not He stopped above 20 and less than 25. Like, we won. (laughs) We won. We won. That's what matters. And then we shift to a game that they didn't win, but you can feel content about. And this is where, this is rare, folks, this season especially, where I have to fill in some of the gaps because Laura was the one that couldn't watch the game. That This feels, like, I feel like an immense amount of power in talking about these games right now. As you should. Um, Yes, because my new job, when I have to go into the office, I have to get up at an ungodly hour to drive the 45, sometimes hour plus uh, commute into Columbus. And I just, I'm not young anymore. And I really need like a decent amount of uh, sleep if I'm going to be in those traffic conditions or else my anxiety is through the roof. So for, I think the first time in my hockey fandom, I 
have forced myself to go to bed after the first period in these West Coast games. Well, and I, I can't blame you. I would be doing the same if I didn't have a little bit more flexibility when I got to go in because especially when you go into overtime in these last two games, that'll that'll push it a little bit later than than your normal game. And and Laura, I mean, after the first period, you probably went to bed thinking that things weren't going to be great. <laughs> they did. Um, you know, they were down one nothing at the end of the first and, and you know, had been outshot 17 to seven in the first period. Really just not a good period of hockey, but but Jonas Corbisalo, who whose total number of saves I will not make a guess on because the NHL app has already failed me once. But uh Jonas Corbisalo outstanding in that first period. I mean like he's the reason that the Jackets even had a chance going into the second period and um Nazem Kadri scored really quick, really quick into the second period and it felt deflating again. It felt a lot like the San Jose game and in a different way though. Like it felt like this one was not going to be be for the jackets and and this game was on ESPN plus so John Butchagross had the had the play by play and sure enough the jackets go on the power play about halfway through the second period and rightfully so a lot of the comments and the commentary focused on just how rough the blue jackets power play has been this season it has been bad we're not telling you anything you don't already know and if we are what's going on because you know like it took us 26 games to get a power play goal. No, 26 opportunities. I was like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> that was wrong. I swear I'm not that dumb. 26 opportunities before we got a power play goal. Yeah, so, well, And that was when everybody was like healthy, like for the most ish, part. I mean, yeah. like you had like the first 10 games of the season, roughly. And so the Jackets go on the power play and – Kirill the Thrill, Kirill Marchenko gets his 10th of the season in that game. And, you know, perfect, perfect opportunity for the Jackets. They take advantage of, of the man advantage. And it was, if they didn't make, if they didn't score that 2-1 goal, if Calgary would have found a way to make this game 3 nothing, this game would have gotten ugly. But they didn't. And so um, Calgary does more crimes mere seconds later, and the Jackets go back on the power play and not no way in hell is this team going to score on back-to-back power play opportunities because <laughs> never like what team not the columbus blue jackets and so uh but i like being wrong and uh patrick line scored his 14th goal of the season and made it a 2-2 game and i mean for a lot of reasons that that's exciting because patrick line has not really had much success on the power play this season and for him I, to make it going that was his second goal of the year i think on the power play and so it's just not been he's i mean that's usually his bread and butter right and he just hasn't been there for him this year and so johnny goudreau had assists on both of those power play goals so uh 2.9 there for johnny goudreau which feels good without a doubt and so uh it wouldn't be blue jackets hockey though if if the flames didn't find a way to make it three to two uh but boone jenner Boone Jenner has picked right back up where he left off since he returned from injury. I mean, obviously he's been back now for a handful of games, but, but yeah, he's not shown any signs of slowing down. I mean, he came back into the lineup and has just been everything the blue jackets needed him to be in more. Yeah. And I, I just, ugh. I mean, I gush about him all the time, but he has truly been a force to be reckoned with these last few games. And, um, 
I think that his now that he's back, because I've said it before, he was with the guys the whole time that he was injured. But now that he's back in the thick of it with them, I think that his leadership is really shining through a lot more. And like, I think that speaks to a lot of the other players, especially the young players. Like, and so you're starting to see things again. We are far, far from having our shit together, but you're starting to see things and you're starting to see like a little bit of hope and like spark come back to people. And it's not this like devastated look every time they get off the ice. So I think, I think the boon effect is definitely, is definitely paying off. Yeah, the Boone effect is in full force. But unfortunately for the Jackets, they're not able to to pull off the win in overtime. I mean, I, what can you say? I mean, you get a road point in Calgary. That feels good, especially when you consider that you came back from, from that two-goal deficit, then a one-goal deficit. I mean, they they really found a way to get that point. I mean, they're outshot 49 to freaking 25. They're doubled up on shots. And Jonas Corposalo, I'm doing math here. I'm not looking at the stats. If they had 49 shots and they had four goals, that's 45. He had 45 saves. And it's a respectable showing for him. I mean, he's played really well throughout the stretch, and that didn't stop in Edmonton. But, Laura, were there any other thoughts on this Calgary game before we moved to Edmonton? No, just that when I woke up at 5.15 the next day, I was very shocked that we had – like lost in overtime and was just very happy to to see them get a point out of that. We'll talk a little bit more about the Calgary game in a little bit um, when we talk about Johnny, but yeah, I was just pleasantly surprised, which made me a little bit more hopeful going into Edmonton, but not so much based on who we were facing. Yeah. And, and let's not lie to the people, our texts before the game, you were not hopeful. I was not hopeful. I don't think either of us were hopeful. The Blue Jackets playing on TNT. It was just one of those things where it's like, ah, oh man, like you've got back-to-back nationally televised games. You don't, well, I guess relatively televised with ESPN Plus on, on Tuesday. But, or no, Monday, whatever day it was. Fuck it. Wednesday? Who cares? Anyway. Monday. So, I mean, you're just thinking, like, you don't lay an egg on ESPN Plus. Like, you're probably going to lay an egg on TNT because that's, like, whole-ass cable television. Like, it's not even just, like, streaming. And so they they didn't though they they didn't and that was really impressive to me I mean and, and they had every Edmonton had every opportunity in that game I mean they outshot the Jackets thirty six to twenty seven but the Jackets started it and that was important for them in that game they got up one nothing Boone Jenner with his fourteenth of the season and that I think did a really good job of building momentum for them going into the second period and allowed for them to stave off some of the pressure that, that the Oilers had in the second period. I would say, honestly, the second period was easily the best period of hockey for the Oilers on, on Wednesday night. And that was, you know, found back in the net twice, uh, Derek Ryan and and Zach Hyman uh, found a way to do that. That power play goal. Have you, did you see the highlight of Zach Hyman's goal by chance? Mm. Oh my God. So they, they dissected the Blue Jackets penalty kill on TNT. And I will tell you, 
it was rough the way they were talking about the Blue Jackets penalty kill. I mean, like, they were being pretty brutally honest. And even, like, I'll tell you what. If there's one person that I could stare in their eyes when they're talking shit about my favorite hockey team, it's it's Henrik Lundqvist. It's <laughs> Yeah. I would, like, stare at him while he calls me, like, every terrible thing in the book. Like, um, but he uh, – you know, they're all talking about like the Blue Jackets had allowed for five seam passes on that penalty kill. And so for folks who who might not necessarily know what that means, um, on the power play, you want to try to keep things to the outside. You want to try to like keep things from coming into the slot. But a seam pass is when basically you're you're able to slide the puck through the defense of the of the team on the penalty kill and make it across ice without having to to kind of just play the perimeter. And they did that five times in like mere seconds. Like they were just like tearing apart the Blue Jackets uh, penalty kill unit. And it was like, I mean, name dropping Sean Corrali as being like a victim of like three or four of them. Um, it was just not good. And uh, that Connor David guy is good at hockey. And he found Zach Hyman, who was somehow like, I don't know how Nick Blankenberg let him be like directly behind Jonas Corposalo and like with no pressure. But it was an incredible pass by Connor McDavid directly to um, to the stick of Zach Hyman, and uh, I'll stop talking before I start to sound like Jeff Rimmer. But it was <laughs> it was really it was really crazy. It was like how did it, how did that happen? And so uh, that felt like I mean like Edmonton had a lot of momentum. It felt like a typical Blue Jacket second period, but that goal in the first helps make it feel like a little less dramatic in a lot of ways. And and Kirill Marchenko, Kirill Marchenko scores and ties it up about a little over halfway into the third period. And, man, this guy has 11 goals and zero assists. Yeah, there's they've been talking – they talked about it on the skate space the other night, and there's some sort of, like, record or award or something for someone who has, like, <laughs> the biggest differential between goals and assists, like, in a season. Well, I'll tell you – it's he currently has according to Mark Scheig, Mark Scheig tweeted that this is the first time that a player has started a season with eleven goals and no assists since nineteen twenty six. Yeah. So it's wild. It's not common. Uh and you know, uh Mark Scheig even tweeted that at this point, you know, in an eighty two game season, Krill Marchenko is at, uh, playing at a thirty six game or thirty six goal pace, and somebody was like, "Yeah, thirty six zero and thirty six. Like that is that's where we're at with, with him." He right just now. helps no one else. Like whenever he wants everyone only to help him, and he helps no one else. <laughs> I mean, listen, would you be scoring goals? Have at it, but yeah, there are plenty of players. I mean, you think about how many goals Alexander Ovechkin has, right? And somehow, some way, him and Sidney Crosby are like neck and neck at points because Sidney Crosby racks up his points. Don't get me wrong. He's had, a, I think, at least one Rocket Richard year. But he racks up his points by getting assists. And Alexander Ovechkin racks his up by, by getting goals. And obviously, they both find a way to get both of the, the other one, too. But I digress. It was just great goal by Kirill. And the team continued to play pretty well throughout the third. And... And again, some key saves by by Jonas Corposalo. I mean, really, hit save of the year happened in the second period when when he just like lurched all the way across the crease and and 
stole, swiped it out of the air. I think it was, I don't know if it was Leon Dreisaitl. I don't know who it was, but it was. Well, like double because it hit his blocker pad yeah. and then popped up and he just like Spider-Man style caught it in his glove all while being completely extended across the goal. Like, and there's this great picture. Oh, I love it so much. There's this great picture of Elvis literally like leaping up off the bench like with his arms up in the air just like yelling for corpy it's awesome i love it you love a picture of elvis that feels weird it feels really uh-huh. out of character for you very funny do you like elvis Merzlikens? i enjoy the picture of corpy of him saving in that pose and i also <laughs> have seen the video like 14 times today but it's real good it is like a really good clip but but no you gotta give it up the guy who can find a way to finish in that building, Kent Johnson, with an excellent move, wins the game for the Blue Jackets in overtime. And it was perfect. I mean, like, it's exactly like what you want to see for, for Kent Johnson. I'm sure he's going to have plenty of overtime winners in his NHL career. That was his first. And so you love to see it from the guy. You know, at this point, he's sitting pretty with nine goals. I think he's got 14. So he's got 23 points on the year. I mean, he's playing lights out. Karel Marchenko's playing well. These young guys are are holding down the fort. And it seems like, and what's exciting, it's it's not necessarily mutually exclusive anymore. It felt like the games where the young guys were really kicking ass. It was when guys like Boone Jenner or Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Laine were just struggle busting it. But that's not the case in these last few games. And I think that that's the, the recipe to the Blue Jackets' success moving forward is all of them have to find a way to click at the same time. This can't be a one night, one night on one night off kind of deal for these guys. And, and so Laura, just three, three straight games with points for the jackets, two Oh and one, five points feels good going into Vancouver. It does. And slight honorable mention to Nick Blankenberg for just having the, the balls to just, be right on top of Connor McDavid. Like if they were on the ice at the same time, he was like right there, like just as, and you could tell that it was kind of starting, at least in the first, you could tell it was kind of starting to get to Connor McDavid. That just like tiny (laughs) rookie was just like pestering the shit out of him. But like, no fear, man, no fear from Nick Blangenberg. He doesn't give a fuck who's on the ice with him. Like he he's he's going up against him. He does not care. I the way that you just said that was everything to me, and I'm absolutely clipping that. <laughs> I'm absolutely holding on to that. That should be a TikTok sound for sure. Oh God! <laughs> get ready for get ready for subjectively speaking TikTok edit coming soon. Uh, so this point streak, it's really impressive. It's really really cool to see the jackets doing it right now. It is personally. My second favorite streak happening in the state of Ohio right now uh, from, a, from a sports perspective. And uh, Laura, personally, I think I'm going to try to make some money this weekend on one of those streaks. You know what that streak is? The motherfucking bangles. The motherfucking bangles. That's absolutely right. And where am I going to win that motherfucking money at? DraftKings. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that into the, dra- into the ad <laughs> read, but I, I'm not going to cut it. I'm not going to cut it. <laughs> We're sorry, Dylan. <laughs> We're on hands and we love it. But folks, there are four NFL teams left, and you—you uh, you heard us right. One of them, uh, 
one of them wears uh, some some good old black stripes, a little bit of orange, a little bit of Oda, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, two conference championship games are coming up this weekend, and there are only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down the Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. And now listen, y'all Highlands, y'all y'all kind of being messy with the, with the bets that you're making right now, but I'm telling you right now, um, you're going to make some money this weekend on the Bengals. Right now, last I looked, they were they were uh, minus one, or the Chiefs were minus one. So take the Bengals on the money line. Take the Bengals on the spread. Do what you got to do. Joe Burr, take take every parlay that you can with him attached to it because he's going to make you one happy man. I know I personally made 90 bucks when Jamar Chase scored to open the game against the Bills last week for the Bengals. And so if you wanna if you wanna get on the action like me, you're gonna wanna download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can bet five dollars on conference championships and get two hundred and free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. God, I'm so excited for that game. I know you're basing your entire big move day around being uh, done in time to watch the game. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not moving myself into an apartment when the Bengals are playing. I can't do it. I mean, like, and this is like, if you are both a hockey fan and a football fan, like, or, or really, it's not even just hockey. I mean, like, really, every other sport that's not football in America has a playoff that is not single elimination. Like, and so I guess, like, MLS has. Some rounds do, some rounds don't. But the amount of anxiety that I have in these situations is immense. It feels like every game is a game seven, and it just like is like so horrifying. And so I have to prepare myself. I can't not like just sit down and like watch the whole thing with my eyeballs. Like, and they like last year, I mean, they like shit the bed to start the game and they ended up winning it all. Oh my god, I can't wait. God, I miss winning things, and this is so good. <laughs> I'm just excited for more Joe Burrow content on TikTok. <laughs> Why is everybody just now getting on the Joe Burrow train, by the way? Like, I, this man has been wholesome and just, like, so good for, like, five years at this point. Oh, what did someone say? Oh, someone said on TikTok earlier today that Joe Burrow is the Harry Styles of football. He kind of is. And honestly, he's kind of the Harry Styles of just the world right now. I mean, like, he's kind of got that, like, allure to him where he just is, like, very – just he's charismatic. He's an enigma to people right now, which I think is, like, really cool to to watch happen. God, I love the Bengals. Okay. Anyway, um, this, folks, I need you all to know, if you are not a Bengals fan, I know we probably have some folks that listen to the show who are Browns fans. If you're a Steelers fan, I don't know what the fuck you're doing here, but we love you anyway. Um so we know we've got folks that are spread out a little bit, but if you're a Bengals fan and you're listening to this show, you will re- you will 100% agree with me that like this is exactly what I know it's going to feel like when the Blue Dragons start contending for championships, like in a legitimate way, because I remember in 2005 when the Bengals made the playoffs for the first time in my life, which at that point was not like no amount of years, <laughs> uh, and then I don't think they made it again until a while after that. Uh, 
they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I literally sobbed to my dad because I was like, they're never going to make the playoffs again. <laughs> that's like the energy that I had. And that's how I felt about the Blue Jackets for the longest period of time too. So when they finally start winning, y'all, it's going to be like the best feeling in the world because that's what I'm feeling with the Bengals right now. And I'm loving every second out of it. This is not a Bengals podcast. This is a Blue Jackets podcast. Fuck the Bengals right now, I guess. That's my bad. But uh, Laura, we've got more to talk about with these last few games and really just like kind of it's a phenomenon across the NHL. And that is that Johnny Goudreau cannot keep himself from getting booed literally anywhere that he goes. <laughs> it, you at people act like now again, we're, we're talking about his return to Calgary. So like, we get it. This is a big deal. You know, everyone's had this game circled on their calendar. Like since the announcement of him coming to Columbus, like, We've all been waiting for him coming back into that space. What I don't understand is these freaking other teams, Edmonton, who, first of all, he was never considering you. I'm also shouting out like several situations in New York as well. Um, and I know that the Edmonton thing, they're like, oh, it's probably rollover from Calgary, blah, 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 blah. No. No, because at mean, this point, we should just give every opposing team that we face for the rest <laughs> the rest of this year 30 seconds to boo Johnny. Like, it's dumb. Let him live. <laughs> yeah, good old Johnny Boudreaux, everybody. Um, and, yeah, it's just – it's it's hilarious. And I will say, like, I absolutely think that, that the Edmonton booze had a lot to do with him having been a flame. And that's, that's real, but it's just like, all right guys, like, come on. And, and, you know, this goes to, you know, I, I don't usually love the booing of players like incessantly, like the only players that I'm okay with it for in Columbus are, are pretty much at this point. It's pretty much Jeff Carter. Like I don't personally have a player that I feel the need to boo every time they touch the puck. I think it's fun that hockey fans have that kind of a wherewithal to like always know when they're on the ice and always know when they've got the puck and, and to just be really quick with it. I mean, my favorite is when the guy that they start to boo is only on the puck for a couple of seconds. It's like, boop. <laughs> boop. Like, it's just like, <laughs> um, I really enjoy that part of it. But, but yeah, I, I have to tell you though, like the Calgary thing, it is fascinating because I know that some folks uh, don't necessarily agree with Calgary fans booing him. I don't know how I feel. I don't think I, I don't, I think I would, I think I understand it. Well, I think it kind of, even though in my, and I, it's kind of a jaded thing because obviously we're very happy that he chose Columbus of and course. like, but I think it kind of is, in that nature a little bit like maybe not as much as Panarin because I think there's other reasons for that but like when Bob decided to not come back to Columbus after seven years and like ish yeah but Calgary was rough on Johnny like when he came back on Monday like so I too I don't like I don't know. I think it's one of those things where like you obviously want your favorite players to feel like they have the freedom to when they, when they have earned free agency to be able to look and to go and to do whatever they want. 
But I guess it's also that thing of like, he had been there for so long and was such a part of like the, the success of the flames over the last almost decade. And then, but I think that they overshadow the fact that like, he like took so long to make a decision. Well, like, I think that's why they boo though, to be honest, because to me, right. Like, with Bob, right? Like you knew he wasn't gonna resign, like well before well, yes. the season started. There are mysterious waves goodbye at the end of that season. <laughs> yeah, a lot of very mysterious waves goodbye at the end of that season. But I think, like with with Johnny Goudreau, it mirrors itself to the John Tavares thing, where it was like there was like some pretty significant hope that he was going to resign in the off season. And uh, at least in the case of like Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky, like the Blue Jackets front office made a choice to not trade those guys. They knew they weren't going to resign. They knew they weren't going to try to resign them. And so that was a choice Yarmulkekalina made. I mean, like I don't know that Brad Tree Living would have traded. Like he wouldn't have traded Johnny Goudreau if he knew that Johnny didn't want to come back because they were having a really great year and they were Stanley Cup contenders for sure in his last year. But I get it. Like, I mean, like, that would be hard. That would be a hard pill to swallow. If we would have gone the entire offseason convinced that Artemi Panarin was going to resign in Columbus and he had given the impression that he was, and that's why he didn't get traded at the deadline. And then he was like, oh man, just kidding. Uh, NYC. Then that, I think, would have, like, that would be when I would have considered booing Panarin. So I get it. I get why Calgary fans do. I mean, I think that they appreciate him. Like, don't get me wrong, but I, I, I get where they're coming from. So. Well, uh, and they did. The, the Devils, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. If you're a Devils fan and you're booing, shut the fuck up. Nope. Enjoy, enjoy the success that you're having this season in silence. Because and let it go. Just I've never, let it go. <laughs> it's the most dramatic thing I have ever <laughs> seen in sports when it just so doesn't really affect you at this point. And, like, you got to feel some sort of way when, like, people ask him about it and he's just like, I don't understand. He's like, especially, like, obviously with, you expected it the first game when we were in New Jersey. Like, okay, fine, boo him, whatever. Then it continues, which is weird. Let it go. But then you get other teams, like the Islanders and stuff, and he's like, I was never even, like, considered or approached, like, and your team, like, that doesn't make any sense. And like, so it is, it is this weird, and I know it's because he came here and everyone thinks that we're this shithole that exists in the middle of a cornfield, like, and that he's insane for coming here. But like, if you listen to the words that come out of his mouth, he does not regret coming here. And even though we're having a shit-tastic season, he literally just said... I love it here. Right. Like, and I know that people think that every time someone says something nice about Columbus, that someone has a gun pointed at them. But I can promise you that's not the case. Has, has that I, not been happening to you? No. I mean, I, I see no one in my apartment with a pistol pointed at me to say even semi nice things about the Columbus Blue Jackets right now. Um, and also that, like, I know what they were trying to do, but that meme that they put out of him of like, well, the day he signed in Columbus and then like a screenshot of his press conference in Calgary, oh, yeah. 
where they're like, look what Columbus does to you. Look what a new baby does to you. Yeah, that is absolutely probably more of it. But I honestly, though, I laughed at that. I thought it was funny. I laughed, too, because <laughs> you look at the very next shot of that interview and he has like the biggest smile on his face and he looked, you know, oh, totally yeah. fine. But yeah, and you could tell they're like they struggled during his video because they were like booing and then it got towards the end and everyone stood up and was like clapping and then it's almost like they realized that they were clapping and then they immediately started booing him again because they forgot that they were mad at him yeah i mean it was it was a fascinating like we're gonna we're gonna like give you your your due and then also we're just gonna like razz you for the rest of the game so uh for what it's worth, folks, uh, New Jersey makes their way to Columbus on February 14th. Just pick someone random. I don't care who it is. If you're at that game, just let's all let's all Dougie Hamilton. Fuck Dougie Hamilton. He could have came to Columbus. Okay, exactly. We're booing Dougie Hamilton. Absolutely. You heard it here that. first. Boo Dougie Hamilton. Boo this man. We'll make shirts. Fuck you, Dougie Hamilton. Oh my god. I don't know if we'll make that shirt. Uh, but <laughs> Oh, man, oh, my. But he well, survived. Johnny survived his first return to Calgary, and he didn't score a goal, and he did have a, a penalty shot that did not go well. But yeah. he did get two assists, and we got out of there without embarrassing ourselves. So wins all around. Wins all around. Well, one thing that wasn't a win in uh, the matchup against the Oilers, I mean, obviously, the game was a win. Uh, however, <laughs> Gus Nyquist, one of two Blue Jackets who has played in every game this season, uh, aside from Johnny Goudreau, uh, suffered an upper body injury and was unable to finish the game against Edmonton. And so, obviously, the hope is that uh, he's doing okay. I mean, he did hand off the Kepi last night, and so it's one of those things where, like, you saw him, he... he was obviously like in his street clothes and he was, you know, uh, he had obviously hit the showers way sooner than the rest of the guys, but didn't look like he was in any in intense agony or things like that. But then again, last time I said that Jonas Corpusola was out for a couple of weeks, but really the biggest fear that I had was that he was going to suffer an injury. Uh, you know, I mean, Gus has had some upper body injuries in the past. I mean, he had a shoulder injury that kept him out for a whole season. And so when I saw that, I was like, listen, I'm not in a rush to get rid of Gus Nyquist. Please don't take it that way. But if we are trading Gus Nyquist, it's a lot easier to trade a guy who can play. That is true. And I said to you that if, because like we talked about in the last episode, Gus has been uh, very verbal about how he doesn't want to leave. And I'm like, this is his secret plan. He's yeah, like, I'm going to, I'm going to injure myself just enough that they can't trade me. And then they're stuck. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not opposed. Not a bad strategy. I mean, Yarmo's gonna be mad, but I'm not opposed. Uh that would be a that would be devastating <laughs> in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, but but he wasn't in a full body cast. He didn't seem to have a sling on. I'm sure he will be back playing tomorrow um in Vancouver, but you know, it is nice to think that Gus is like a little bit conniving and is trying to secure um, his place on the Blue Jackets and avoid being traded at the trade deadline. So, 
I mean, it is quite the maniacal plan if that is the reality. So, and you know what? I'm here for the dramatics. So, yeah, it is what it is. But well wishes if he is a tiny bit injured and is like out for a game or two. But who knows? We'll find out tomorrow. We will. We'll find out if it goes down to just one Blue Jacket who's played in every game this season. I mean, naturally it will when he gets traded, but still. Johnny Goudreau, third longest streak in the NHL for active games played. He's the cheese that stands alone. Which is wild because quite literally it is like 700 behind Phil Kessel. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just like, holy shit. Holy shit. That's so much hockey. That is almost 10 years of not missing a hockey game. From now. Phil Kessel is built different. We all know that. Different. I love Phil Kessel. (laughs) This is a Phil Kessel, like, low-key stand podcast. I mean, I actually don't know how you feel about Phil Kessel. I like Phil Kessel a lot. I don't really have an opinion. (laughs) I mean, For him to play for teams like the Maple Leafs and the Penguins and for me to like him, that's fucking crazy. That's true. But I Um, I just, yeah. I mean, he's still going strong, so. He sure is. Yeah, sure is. Well, folks, we've hit that time of the show where Laura, every once in a while, is is bored and says, we want to hear your questions on Twitter, and people give them to us because, for some reason, they care about what we have to say about these things. Or I just hit them at the exact right time that people are on Twitter because sometimes this is a hit. Mostly, Most of the time, it's a miss when I ask for questions. But this time was a hit. Yes, so, yay. It was. It was. So, we've got a handful of questions that we want to get to. Um, you know, as always, our good friend Morgan leads off the show with just a series of really great questions. <laughs> and so um, the first one is uh, about the penalty kill. Um, do we run just two squads or do we ever uh, have more? And why have I never noticed? Well, that's a really, really fair question, Morgan. I mean, I so, yes, usually you refer to like there being two units both like in in special teams but the thing is is like with the penalty kill it's different because with a power play like you're not losing any men right like the issue is if sean corrali takes a penalty which he's good at doing if if you know if when he's playing if liam foodie takes a penalty if nick blankenberg if any of our guys who are really exceptional penalty killers take a penalty it's gonna change up who's able to to be out there to defend the penalty, right? And so, you know, it's it's usually, I mean, we talk about the guys who we know are good at it, they're Robinson of the world and that kind of stuff, and it's usually some smattering of those players. But, but yeah, when you get a player like Eric Robinson, Sean Corrali, uh, Liam Foody that is in the box, it, it changes the approach and it changes the lines up a little bit. And so, uh, you know, they start, I think, and plan for two units, but they have to make changes as needed if somebody is out. Uh, having served the penalty. Yeah. I mean, I think out of either of the special teams, like things change drastically with the PK because just based on who draws the penalty. So, well, and I've even, I mean, like you listen to some people talk about like what requires more skill. Is it, is it being somebody who plays on the penalty kill or is it somebody who plays on the power play? And, and a lot of people will say it's the penalty kill. Like a lot of people will say that that takes an immense level of skill set that, you know, 
you wouldn't think of. You wouldn't think of being needed. You really feel like the, the player just needs to be defensive. But when you think about it, I mean, you think about some of the Blue Jackets' most successful penalty killers. I mean, Cam Atkinson is one of the first people that comes to my mind as being that guy. Uh, and he obviously had a lot of skill outside of just being a defensive forward. And, I mean, Matt Calvert, you know, these are the guys who, when I think of Blue Jackets' penalty kills of, of the past, I think about these guys. And, and they had skill outside of just being uh, penalty killers. Gus Nyquist is another guy. So if he gets traded, holy shit, like what are we going to do with Gus and like how are we going to fill that spot? I mean, our penalty kill will suffer from Gus Nyquist getting traded. There's no doubt about that. And so that'll be something that we want to <laughs> we want to um, address when he's out. I, Matthew Olivier's taking some swings too, and, and Morgan wants to talk about that. He, uh, you know, I no fight against at no fight in Edmonton, right? Yeah, I think Correct. he won his last one against Milan Lucic. Uh, but yeah, I mean, before that, three games in a row, he had a fighting major. So I think he's got eight so far this season. I think the Blue Jackets had eight all of last season. They were the fewest in the league. And so, oddly enough, tied with the Edmonton Oilers. And so it's just one of those things where, like, this is a huge shift. This is something that we knew Matthew Olivia was brought in to do. But, yeah, he's been, like, he's been going at it here in the last few games. Now, what I will say is I actually disagree with him taking the Milan Lucic fight. I think that that was a really poorly timed fight on Olivier's part. I think he gave in because you've got an NHL veteran like Milan Lucic, who is a guy who is known for being the kind of player that frankly, like Matthew Olivier wants to emulate on the ice. And so whenever you've got a guy that says, Hey, you want to drop the gloves? And, and they're a guy like that to you that you look up to a guy who's played over a thousand NHL games. I think it is. And, and, it might not sound correct, but Matthew Olivier has only played like 90 something. And so I get why he did it, but like, it's a poorly timed fight for him because the jackets tie it up two two. And that that's when the fight happens is when you're looking at a two, two hockey game and the jackets have the momentum, they have the momentum. And then Milan Lucic just beats the shit out of Matthew Olivier. He got Matthew Olivier got a few punches in. Don't get me wrong, but man, 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 Milan Lucic. <laughs> beat that ass uh you know milan lucic remembered that dalton prout was a member of the columbus blue jackets when he sucker punched him and uh anybody who wears that sweater is going to get their ass beat by milan lucic is is kind of the philosophy that i i have but ah yeah i wouldn't have taken that fight milan lucic nope matthew olivier is a lot tougher of a guy than you or i laura yeah exactly and i mean this is exactly why we brought Olivier on like I mean he taught like a tiny fighting um like training camps segment when we were in camp because he was so desperate to show people like this is what I'm here for like this is what I'm good at like let me show you um and yeah I mean I think that he was pressing his luck with the third fight um the first two went really well and then that third one like just was rough sauce. Um, and I think he was right to, to not try and uh, do anything last night in against Edmonton. But I mean, that's in a situation where we are in the bottom bin of the standings and, you know, games aren't necessarily like going our way all the time. Obviously not the case with these last three, but like, you got to get a little fight in there somewhere to just like bring a spark back to the game, like make it entertaining and sometimes rile up your team and get them like light a fire. 
and see what happens because that does it motivates them and that's what he's there for it is and and you know i think what's what's interesting about the rest of her question too is uh what about goody what about erica branson i mean he's kind of also brought in for that role and i just i i'm not an erica branson fan I just am not really. I mean, like he's gotten better throughout the season, but nothing about his game stands out to me. And if it, like, I get why he's here, but I'd like to see it a little bit more, to be honest with you. I mean, like, I'm not going to make a judgment on a four year contract, you know, a little over halfway into the first of the four years, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a slow burn. Like I'm not giving up in like faith and hope, entirely but it has definitely been a slow burn with Gabranson so I hope that he either picks it up in this like second half of the season or at least when he comes back and has seen a year in Columbus and comes back for camp and stuff in the fall that we get a little bit more of what we thought we were getting yeah I wonder if it could be a little bit like a Riley Nash situation Riley Nash really did not impress me for the first year that he was here but he kind of began to grow on me when he was uh you know also AHL all-star Riley Nash so we haven't really talked much about that but uh yeah I mean he he's a player that I don't think was great in his first year in Columbus but I thought he kept growing on me so maybe Erica Branson will do the same and Laura your your statement about you know coming into next season and just kind of being being ready for that you know transitions really nicely into a question that we had from from our friend Tyler at Rad Dad 578. Uh, you know, I think an interesting topic would be how do the Jackets build themselves back up and prepare themselves mentally for a better year next year after a stinker of a season? Better yet, how do they rationalize a season if, say, we don't get Bedard? And uh, here's how they don't handle that. They don't go on a 15 point or 15 game win streak, point streak, whatever have you to end the season to build confidence for next year. That's not what they do to try to salvage the season. I know that's obviously not what he's suggesting, but that is just what I am saying out loud into the universe, especially as I'm watching this team rack together three games in a row of points. We're not doing that. We are not doing that. That is not how you build up the success. Uh, and you build up the confidence going back into the next season. Laura, I will let you give your probably a lot more rational answer to to what you would do and what you would hope to see this team do to be able to build that confidence up for next year. Well, I mean, I think obviously, again, based because of how the draft works, we obviously don't want them to like go on a tear. And but we do want them to start setting the groundwork a little bit. And we've talked about this over and over. We want them to stiffen up the crust per se, like as we're leading towards the end of this season. So we obviously don't want to negate our circumstances when it comes to the, you know, the draft in the summer, but you know, you do want to see them at least start firming some things up. But that to be said, again, I really think the confidence in us getting Connor Bedard is just, it's, it's getting a little high, <laughs> but you know, I've been wrong before, but either way, based on what I know about the upcoming draft, like if we get someone in the top five, I think that we're going to get a really solid piece for the coming years. And Yarmo does is good at drafts. Like, that is his bread and butter. It's what he lives for. Like 
he is good at drafts when it comes to those circumstances. So I'm not really nervous about that. But when it comes to like building themselves back up for the next season, honestly, in my opinion, they don't have any other choice. Like they have to do everything that they physically can to come into the season more prepared. Like I'm talking like their summers have to be rigorous. Like when they come back for camp, like not only do they have to have a hard camp and make some really hard decisions, they need to do more team building activities. Like this is where the higher education person comes out in me and like the person who did RA trainings for years, like if your team can't connect on a level off of the ice, it is going to make it so much harder for them to connect on the ice and for them to respect each other and to trust each other and to be able to be skating at, you know, 25, 30 miles per hour, not looking and know that someone is going to shoot the puck across the ice to them and trust that they're going to get it. Or trust that when, you know, it's a two-on-one heading towards your goaltender, that that goalie is going to do everything physically possible and that you're going to do everything physically possible to defend against that circumstance. Like, that is a on and off the ice trust relationship. Like, and that's something that I think coming out of COVID and everything that affected the hockey community in that, I think it has been rough for teams to, and not just the Blue Jackets, but for teams in general to remember what it was like before COVID when they did do a lot of that stuff. And they did like really focus on that time off of the ice as much as they were focusing on the time on the ice. And so now that we're, again, COVID is still very much there, but like things are much easier managed and they can spend physical time with each other. Like that is going to be a big part of this because our, also because our team is super young and these young kids are adjusting to being in the NHL. They're like, everything is heightened. Like everything is, oh my gosh, I have to do this. I have to be this. What is happening? Blah, 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 blah. So building those relationships with, you know, the rookies and the young guys and, you know, some of the veteran presence, like, that makes that nervous energy less liable, like less of a like issue. And it gives the veteran players a sense of purpose and a sense of like empowerment that they are mentoring and shaping these younger players. Like it is a win-win situation if you do it correctly. So from my perspective, like everything's going to need to be harder. Everyone's going to need to buy in and they're going to have to learn to trust each other on and off the ice. That's my rant for Tyler. (laughs) And I mean, I think like I'm going to go a little bit of a different route, like other than just like, you know, building the relationships and the trust between each other. But I think it's also, you know, there are going to be so many people in that room. There are going to be so many guys in that room who, are heading into their you know second or third NHL season who know for a fact that they're about to have their best NHL season and they really want to uh, really capitalize on that and expand on that. And I think that 
there's there's a lot of space for excitement and as long as that doesn't turn into overexcitement and all that kind of stuff i feel like this team is going to be way more confident in in what they do you know this this offseason and i mean i i think too you have to keep in mind that you're probably going to have a few of these guys if they decide to play hockey in the summer you might have a couple of these guys that get invited to a world championship team uh, potentially i mean obviously if patrick line decides that he's going to play he's gonna play like for team finland and honestly it won't surprise me if he does with with the tournament being in Tampere this year like he's probably gonna play like if he can and that's gonna i'm sure do wonders for his confidence i mean especially after having that abysmal trip for the jackets over there uh i'm sure he would love to play meaningful hockey in Tampere again and, and have a good a good time there and i wonder too about you know I'm not saying that Ken Johnson is going to be the guy who gets invited and makes a team, but could Ken Johnson get invited to that camp and potentially have a chance to to play in that tournament too? And so it'll be fun to watch. I, I don't know. And I think that that's a good way to build confidence. I think ultimately it's also going to be like some of the guys who are filling some of these spots right now on this team, like, like top six minutes, looking at guys like Gus Nyquist, they're not going to be here next year, right? So it's also – the confidence is going to come in knowing that you're going to have a more important role if you're a player like a Kent Johnson, a Kromar, Chenko, uh, that kind of deal. And I mean, lest we forget the fact that Alexander Texier could be back in the equation next year too, which I think could be really important. And so we will, we'll see. I mean, obviously they're going to do a lot of things to try to develop that confidence this offseason. Uh, hopefully they have not gotten used to losing. That's the biggest point that I know we have made on the show before is you don't want these guys to have gotten used to losing. Uh, you want them to want to win. And so... So that's the hope. Laura, you're leading us really well into these questions because one of the things that you talked about was how young this team is. And uh, I'm going to throw it to you to kind of get your initial thoughts on the fact that uh, our friend Lil Boomer, everybody knows who Lil Boomer is. Um, you, y'all know. Uh, we love you, Boomer. How's it going? I owe you an for- apple pie, Boomer. Oh, apparently Laura owes you an apple pie. I did not know this. I'll make sure that she gets you the apple pie. I got you. Diced apples. You don't fuck around with a sliced apple up in this house. So, Boomer brings to our attention and wants to know our thoughts on the fact that there are two Blue Jackets players that are only 24 days apart on the calendar from the day that they were born. And if you're just, like, thinking, racking your brain about which players these are, I doubt as I'm saying this to you, you are thinking about Patrick Laine and Nick Blankenberg. But yeah, it's true. It is true. Patrick Laine and Nick Blankenberg born 24 days apart. Laura, how wild is that to you? Oh, it's incredibly wild. Like, and it's, you could not have two more different circumstances. Like, I mean, let's, let's move quickly past just like how each of these players are built. Like just the complete opposites of each other. Um, not to mention the fact that, like, in looks, Patrick looks so much older than Nick Blankenberg. Like, Nick Blankenberg looks like an itty-bitty baby in comparison to Patrick Laine. And so it's one of those weird, like, juxtapositions when it comes to hockey players because, you know, like, again, we don't we don't talk about my age, but, like, I am older than most of the players on our team and I look at all of them and I'm like, there's no way that 
I'm older than you. Like Laura, I'm older than most of the players on this team. Like you are a full grown man. Like no, but it it is that weird thing. And then you just you look at the projection of both of their careers. Like Patrick is this like all star like savant kind of like dream situation and nick had to like fight tooth and nail and prove himself day after day after day after day like not that and they both worked incredibly hard like they both worked incredibly hard but it's just so crazy to to think that yeah they are 24 days apart same age and it's just such different and we're not even talking about the fact that one's European and one's American. Like that, that is like far from it. But yeah, it's it's crazy. But I kind of love it. Well, I think it like tells the story of the multiple ways that you can find your way into this league, right? Like Patrick Line, second overall draft pick of Phenom, was talked about for years before he was drafted. And you know, it's it's a totally different situation for Nick Blankenberg. It's a guy who, like, probably wasn't 100% sure what his NHL future looked like up until the point where he was probably, like, 20 or 21. I mean, he, uh, you know, had said before that there were a few teams that had reached out, you know, even before the Blue Jackets at the conclusion of his senior year. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me with the kind of player that he was at Michigan. He was a leader on that team. He was a captain his senior year. And so, obviously, and I think that has – clearly translated to the NHL in the way that he upholds himself. I, I mean, if, if, Nick, if Nick Blankenberg is around this franchise for a long time, I mean, I don't think he'll ever, I mean, maybe, but I, I wouldn't say he's going to be a captain ever, but he'll wear a letter on his chest one day if he keeps this up in the NHL and he's able to stick around. But it's one of those things where, you know, there is no right way. There is no right way. And obviously it's hard to compare at least his apples to oranges in so many different ways, whether it's build like Laura said, or, or if it's the fact that, you know, one is this guy who is an elite goal scorer and is a winger and the other guy is a two way defenseman. And, and obviously you can't compare their games exactly like that, but, but yeah, I mean, what Nick Blanken, like Patrick Liney was in the league for, four, five, six years before Nick Blankenberg started his first NHL game. I mean, that's wild. Uh, and, you know, kudos to Nick for sticking it through and showing us that there's more than one way to achieve your goals. And, you know, he's not the only Blue Jackets who's had that, who has had that experience. I mean, Justin Danforth is even more of an extreme in that case. But what a what a fun little comparison from our friend Boomer. It's really wild to think about when you, when you think about it. And I'm sure there are a couple of different – uh, instances of that on this team too, where you would just be surprised to know just how old or how young some of these players are on this team. So it's a wild ride. This team is full of just crazy, crazy storylines. But Laura, the last question I have for you, well, I guess it's second to last, you know, our friend Zach, who, who also hops on bucket and boomer every now and again at big booner CBJ uh, asks if we think that sports betting has a positive or a negative effect on fandom. Speaking of Zach's question, I do have a funny story about how going to games has changed since sports betting has become a thing. Yeah. You had and, some more fans behind you the other night. Yes. So as listeners know, I went to the Anaheim game last Thursday with our friend Megan, and we were sitting in front of these four guys who were had 
done a lot of different bet, a lot of different bets on this game. Like they had bet things for Anaheim, they had bet things for the Blue Jackets, but very specifically, they all had bet a lot of money on Kirill Marchenko to the point that every time he got on the ice, one of them, the one who was directly behind me and who hit me when he was trying to get a t-shirt from the t-shirt cannon would just yell, go 86, like at the top of his lungs, like just screamed it every single time Krill got on ice because as we gathered from listening to them talk about it incessantly, each of them were going to win like 300 bucks or something if at any point in time in the game Krill scored. Now, I will say that like that's a pretty decent bet based on like how Krill's been performing lately. But after their, like, attitude about things and their behavior, granted, they weren't as bad as, like, the other people that I talked about, um, the vaping people. But (laughs) based on their kind of lack of general knowledge about the Columbus Blue Jackets, I was really glad that Krill didn't score that night because I wanted no joy for them. Because the whole time that we were watching this game – they thought that the cylinder on the ice was the cylinder that plays in Cleveland. And I just was perplexed. No offense to Owen Cylinder. Like, no offense whatsoever. Lovely, lovely person. Doing good things in Cleveland. Um, not the same as his younger brother, who has not played in Cleveland this whole season so correct just like if research (laughs) you know money is a very serious thing and we want all joy from all things and it is an exciting time to have sports gambling or sports betting um being available in ohio and it does make the conversations around the arena a little bit more interesting well and i think you know, especially when the Jackets are struggling the way that they have. I mean, obviously, like we talked about, the last few games have been a positive. But when, when the Jackets have been struggling, it kind of gives you something else to watch, too, I think, if you're if you're betting on the Jackets. And then my recommendation to people if they are, are getting into sports betting is don't don't just think about it in terms – I mean, the easiest way to go is if you're somebody who is just like, I think the Blue Jackets are going to win on Friday, cool. Like, if you want to put money down on the money line, feel free, bet the, bet the Jackets – that's pretty typical, but I think it's, it's even more fun. I think when you, and, and I'm not saying, please don't put like a thousand dollars down on any of this. It's fun to throw a dollar on a parlay. That's like, Oh, I think the jackets are going to, I mean, you can even say, you think the jackets are going to lose. I think the jackets are going to lose, but Johnny Goudreau is going to have an assist and Patrick line is going to be over two and a half shots. And like, that's the kind of stuff that is fun to bet on because it kind of creates like games inside of the game for you. It's kind of the same way I feel about fantasy sports, right? It's like, I, I mean, I don't really know that I super care about how, you know, amazing Nick Dowd is, even though he's hurt right now. Thanks Laura for that trade. Uh, It's, but you pay attention to these players because they're a part of the part of something that you're invested in. And I feel like that's kind of how I feel about sports betting. And so I think it can increase your, your fandom. I think like, obviously like, 
be careful. Like, don't like don't throw 50 bucks at the jackets winning often because it'll just make you a hate the jackets and b hate sports betting. So don't do that. But throw a couple bucks down on a few parlays every now and again. Just dip your toes in the water and you know see what happens for you. Maybe that'll be something that we talk a little bit more about moving forward. Is is just some of the sports betting stuff because. I enjoy it. I, I do enjoy sports betting, and I try to make sure that I don't get too ahead of myself. Well, that and I'm clueless on it, so it could be a very educational situation, um, and we do like to try and educate when we can. Uh, so, yeah, I maybe we will, we will talk about it. But as always, play responsibly. Yes, please do. Please do. And uh, final question. We're going to bump back to Morgan. I thought it would be a good fun one to end on for us. And that is Morgan wants to know. So uh, in case anyone, uh, this could this could be some bad news for folks. I don't know if people are aware. The Blue Jackets aren't going to make the playoffs this year. And I if hit pause. Take a second. I don't want to be insensitive to your reacting to this news. So everybody breathe. We'll, we'll do it together. Ready? Inhale. Two, three, four. Exhale. Two, three, four. Thank you. All right. So um, <laughs> Morgan wants to know, Laura, who are we going to root for uh, during this NHL playoff season? Or what am I trying to say? This NHL playoffs this year. Uh, it's tough. It's tough to determine who it is because obviously the only team that we like are 109,000% sure is in is Boston. There are obviously some other ones that I think you could pretty firmly say, but I mean, this is not like last year, especially in the East where every team has run away with it at this point, And you know, the eight teams that are going to be in the playoffs. I mean, this one's a little bit more unique. You've got some teams fighting for those wild card spots in a way that teams weren't last year. And so that makes this a little exciting. It makes it a little bit harder, especially because I don't know about you, but I find myself kind of rooting for those underdogs a little bit. So if you look right now, and maybe we could play it this way. Maybe we'll play it on based on who's currently in the playoffs. Mm, so like With the playoffs started Dallas. today. Yeah, the playoffs situation. started today. So that would mean in the East, you would have Boston, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Carolina, New Jersey, New York. And I'm going to use uh, points percentage to determine it because um, Pittsburgh would be a wild card team. And, and based on points percentage, Buffalo would be a wild card team. The three points back of Washington in the standings, but they have three games in hand. Washington has a 560 points percentage, and Buffalo has a 564. So they have the eighth best points percentage in the Eastern Conference. So those are the eight teams in the East. In the West, you've got Dallas, Winnipeg, Colorado. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then you've got Seattle, Vegas, uh, LA, Edmonton, and. So Minnesota would technically be the team that if we'd go again by points percentage, <clears throat> they are one point back of Calgary of that final wild card spot, but they have two games in hand, 587 points percentage compared to the 560 or 573, excuse me, that Calgary has. So those are your 16 teams that we're rocking with. Um, <clears throat> I Let's just pick who we want to see in the Stanley Cup final. Pick a team from the East, pick a team from the West that you're going to be rooting for throughout this experience i mean i feel like we can both say our team in the west right seattle seattle yeah i mean there we go that's who who we want to see but how about the east i mean the east is tough because obviously we hate a lot of the teams in the east by proxy and so what team on that list of eight stands out to you as a team that you wouldn't mind seeing be successful 
I don't know why I have a... Because it's the Islanders, right? It's not the Rangers. No, the Islanders are out. Oh, okay. Well, then never mind on what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, God. It's so hard because I just really don't like... Um, now, and this is all to say, I mean, like, teams like... So Washington would technically be out if we did points percentage, but Florida's not out of it. New York's not out of it. Detroit's not out of it. And when I say New York, I mean the Islanders. Um, I mean, outside of that, I mean... It would be really hard for any of the other teams below Detroit to make a run for it. I mean, we're certainly all the way the fuck out of it. But Philadelphia, I mean, like, if they, like, just went fucking nuts, they wouldn't necessarily not make the playoffs, but they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's tough when you think about those eight teams. I guess, I mean, my first choice would be if the Islanders made it in, I would pick the Islanders. I, for some reason, have a weird... Like, I don't like when we play the Islanders, but I have a weird soft spot for the Islanders. You have an affinity for them, but that happens. I mean, that's how I feel about some teams. Yeah. I also love Anders Lee. Like, I I don't know why. I just do. Um, but I guess in the, for the ones that are, like, currently in... Uh, I guess Buffalo? Mine, too. Like, I, I really like Buffalo. Just to be, like, so out of pocket, like, a Buffalo-Seattle, like, one of the oldest teams God. with, like, the babiest of teams, it would just be, and the clash of colors would be so weird, so. Yeah, it would be, you're right. Like, but we're, de- like, and I think, wasn't it part of her question if we were, we if we were postseason people? Oh, we're definitely postseason people. Yes, Morgan, we are absolutely postseason people. You will actually probably get to see us do some. Well, obviously, we'll do our own show still, but some postseason content through the Hockey Podcast Network because we do enjoy live streaming a playoff game. It's a good time. Yeah, we're gonna have to minimize the Western Conference games that we do though, because that was a absolutely not unless I have unless I have moved. And it is a day like that. I am working from home the next day. Absolutely not. We will. We'll do we'll be weekend. doing we'll do weekend, weekend, sure. But yeah, I really like Tage Thompson. Tage Thompson might be one of my favorite players in the NHL. He kicked our ass. I know, but he's so good. And I like the fact, like I like the fact that he was one of the pieces in the Ryan O'Reilly trade that everybody was like, Buffalo got fleeced, is that and the other? And I like what they've put together with the return from the Jack Eichel trade. And I also have a little bit of a soft spot for a handful of these players because the first year that I wrote for Field Pass Hockey, I covered the Rochester Americans, which is the uh, Sabres AHL affiliate. And so like Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka, um, Matias Samuelson, like I, I like that team. Like it's, it's a good team. And so it'll be fun to watch them kind of develop over the course of the next few years. I feel like they're going to be one of the teams that's kind of a power when the Jackets are kind of becoming a power. So I'm feeling like I might not like the Sabres for long because they might end up dueling every now and again. And uh, that'll be a problem. But, but yeah, so that. Great questions, folks. We we always love answering those questions. It keeps us on our toes. It switches up our content a little bit. And so uh thanks for thanks for kind of being the agenda setters of the end of our show. We we always love when that happens. So we appreciate y'all. Laura, is there anything else on your hockey radar before we wrap this one up? No, I'm just excited to for the next few games. We have two very late, late night 
back-to-back games on Friday and Saturday. So do. Both, both with 10 o'clock start times. Um, so that'll be an interesting situation. But, hey, we're excited about it. And then, of course, our last game, coming back home against the Capitals um, before we head into the All-Star break. You know, it's an exciting kind of last few games before a majority of the fellows get a nice little time off. Johnny will have to make a detour in Florida before he does whatever he's going to do, probably changing diapers um, and being a dad. Uh, but yeah, and we've got we've got some exciting content coming up. So I'm I'm pretty happy and okay right now. That's nice. <laughs> I'm Change not. of pace. I'm not. I'm the one that's taking that. Uh, in the middle of our, our recording our show, and by middle, I mean toward the end, my lamp burned out. Like, so I'm like sitting here in darkness. Like, I, none of this part is getting used for video content. Um, but oh, getting... I am kind of like a duck on water. Like my my personal life, I am doing sure. this tread like treading feverishly. But as far as our podcasting is considered. Oh yeah, that part's great. That part's lovely. I'm I'm loving every second of this, as we all know. I cannot wait to start working on this new studio. Like I'm really excited about that. So I'm signing off for the last time from uh, above an Irish pub, which feels with really a good. dead pigeon outside his window. It's still there. It's still there. Covered in snow. If you want to see the dead pigeon, DM us, and I will send you a photo. Do it at your own risk. I don't know. Uh, but, folks, that's going to do it for us on this episode. We, you know, glad to be able to hop on and do a little bit of a longer show after not being able to do one earlier in the week. I'm personally going to go uh, put uh, some NyQuil over ice, and I'm going to uh, enjoy a little nightcap because I have to tell you all, and Laura can attest to this, the number of times that I have muted myself to hack into my elbow is uh, – pretty impressive and so uh, i'm gonna go hit some nyquil um drink responsibly folks and <laughs> uh we're gonna call it a day i've got some more packing to do tomorrow and i get to supervise a college prom because so exciting because that's why i got a master's degree folks <laughs> I supervise a college prom <laughs> no i'm excited it'll be interesting to see how it goes i gotta pick out an outfit because we're supposed to be dressed to the nines and Laura has made fun of me for packing away a lot of my essentials at this point. I have not packed away my like dress clothes because I know that I am going to not know what I want to wear tomorrow. So looking forward to that. That's where I'll be instead of watching the Jackets game. But I will be keeping along on Twitter. So interact with us on Twitter. And you all know where to do that if you've listened to us before. But if you have not listened to us, this is your first episode and you're wondering who is that really sweet lady in that chain smoker that hosts that podcast? Um, <laughs> oh, uh, good news. That sweet lady is going to tell you and the chain smoker is going to hit mute and hack into his elbow again. That is true. Yes. You can follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at subjectively pod. You can follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at subjectively speaking. Uh, if you want to learn some more about us or get all the links to all the things that I'm talking to you about, you can check out our website, subjectivelyspeaking.com. We do, in fact, have a merch store. So if you would like to support your two favorite hockey podcasters and get some sweet merch in exchange, you can visit subjectivelymerch.com. 
and there's some pretty sweet stuff there. And then lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, particularly if you are on Apple Podcasts. Scroll on down, hit five stars. It is our favorite number. And again, as I always say, we have no idea how the algorithm works. We just know that all these things, likes, comments, subscriptions, are important. Um, and they help to get us noticed in the hockey podcast charts and help to bring more people to this lovely little community that we are putting together. So other than that, we just love and appreciate you all so much. We really do. And folks, until we get the chance to talk to you all next time, pray that I don't end up under a pile of moving boxes uh, or underneath a U-Haul truck. And uh, we will be uh, with you all again next week. We've got some fun stuff coming up next week because uh, All-Star break kicks in. Like Laura said, we got a game against the Capitals next week. But uh, after that, a uh, nice little break for the Jackets. And so the content changes up a little bit for us. But don't worry. We've got you covered. You know us. We don't – no days off. Hashtag no days off for subjectively speaking. But until we get the chance to text, talk to you all next time, please make sure you take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.